Good morning, once again. Good morning! I thought we left the lazy people behind in 2015. What happened? Is everybody excited for a new year? Yes, it is a, uh, it is a, a wonderful thing to uh, end something and to begin something new, the turning of a page, if you will. And so we're going to try something a little different here than we've done before. Um, so I want everybody to throw up a peace sign. Just like this. Everybody throw up the peace sign. Now bend your fingers over on the top just a little bit. Go Frogs! <laughs> Sorry. It was tricky, wasn't it? Yeah, and you all went for it too. How many of you Aggies are really mad at yourself right now? But your Aggies, you would have fallen for it anyway. All right. There you go. That's all the Aggie jokes for all, all year long. That's my first one all year. Um, so uh, we are in the middle, in the beginning of a new year, and it's very exciting. There, this is a, a wonderful time as you as you take stock of yourself, right? This is the thing that you do. It's, you know, maybe you don't, maybe you don't care about your life the way that I do, but you know, you you kind of look back. And how many of you are happy that 2015 is gone? Okay, a few of you. I got to tell you, the Crocker family is very happy. Um, we we left 2015 kicking it, just like get out of here. It was a tough year for us. Um, we had a lot of tough things go on. We, uh, we had some great stuff go on, but then we also had a little, uh, a lot of sad stuff, a lot of hard stuff. Um, just things. It's first time I've stayed up till midnight in a while um, at New Year's because I wanted to make sure it was going to happen. Right? Like, <laughs> just you need to go away now. Um, and it was just great. Uh, so excited for 2016 because I, the way I believe it, God, um, God works like this. If you've had a bad year, the next year it's going to be good. Right. And that how God. No, that's of course not. Um, but how many of you uh, in the entering into this new year are have made resolutions? OK, so either you're, you're lying and you want to feel good about yourself or y'all are worse than 930. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, nobody makes very few people make resolutions. for those of you that did. We all know your OCD and type A, and it's very good of you. Uh, we're very proud of you, but for most of us, we just can't do it anymore. I, I made a resolution many years ago never to make resolutions again, and I've never broken it. It's been great. Um, it is just one of those things that you do at the beginning of a year. You start over. You plan for the next. You look back at last year, and w- which you rightly should, and, okay, you look, you look forward to this new year. It's the, the dawn of a new year, the turning of this page. It's, it's a significant moment, and how are you going to move forward? A lot of times what we do is we want to look at this next, this new year and like, okay, what are the things that, that are going to happen and, and what is set forth? And really, a lot, of, a lot of people will think, well, whatever's going to happen is already going to happen. Then there's the group that says it's, you know, tabula rasa, just this blank slate. It's just this brand new field. It's like fresh fallen snow, you know, it's just first tracks type stuff. What is going to happen? And, and that's a lot of times how we kind of live our lives in those two camps. Things are already set in motion or it's wide open. You ever have that conversation with your parents when you were younger about what you wanted to do for a living, what you wanted to be when you grew up? I remember having those conversations with my dad. Dad! Yes, son? Man, I'm excited. How come? Because I know what I'm going to be when I grow up. Oh, that's great, son. What are you going to do? I'm going to be an astronaut, Dad. Oh, son, what do you think my dad said? That's awesome. Great. You can do it. Yes, you can do it. Your math scores are horrible. There's no way you're ever going to be an astronaut. 
You're scared of heights. Not going to happen. Dad, yes, son, I know what I'm going to be. What are you going to be? I'm going to play in the NBA. Son, we're Jewish and from Texas. Not going to happen. I don't see it in her future. You know, I mean, cause, but we see these things out of kids. Like we want to, our kids come to us and they, oh, I know what I'm going to be. And what we always as parents want to tell them is you can be anything you want to be if you just try hard enough. No, you can't. You can't be anything you want to be. Right? I mean, let's be realistic. There is no way that the NBA was in my future. And that was the sport I was best at. <laughs> Tells you about the athletic genes that I passed on to my son. There you go. Uh, you know, and it's like, what? You could be anything. Well, no, not realistically, you can't. We're limited by a lot of stuff. We're limited by our genetic makeup. We're limited by our geography of what we're going to be. We're limited by our academic levels and that of our parents and their parents. We're limited by economic reasons. We're limited by skin color. We're limited by so many different things as to who and what we are going to be, right? The realistic thing is that you can't be anything you want to be. But that's not the message you want to tell kids. Oh, you can do it. Just try hard. Son, if you want to be president, you can be president. You don't want to be president, but you could be, you know, and you can do anything you want to do. Now, the other side of that is, is the side of, of the world that Jesus grew up in and, and the disciples were growing up in that was heavily influenced by the Roman and Greek world, saying that what you are going to be has already been determined. This thing called fate, Right. The Greeks were huge believers in two types of things. Faith, uh, the, the Moira faith, and then uh, the Ananke, blind faith. That things were just set in motion from the beginning of time, and there was nothing that you could do to change the outcome. This was the influence that was heavily put upon Jesus and the disciples. Here's a story. This guy, Laius, you may have heard of him. Laius was a, a very big deal, a very important man. And this oracle comes to him and gives him this prophecy saying that you will have a son and your son is going to murder you. So Laius freaks out. <laughs> no, he's not. He has a baby boy. He takes the boy into the wilderness and he nails his feet to a rock and leaves him for dead. And he walks off. As he walks off, day later or so, a shepherd comes by, sees this boy rescues him, takes him to Corinth, where he is raised by the king and queen of Corinth. Because of the nails in his feet, when he was a baby, his feet had grown swollen and misshapen. So his name was Swollen Feet. You may know it as Oedipus. You know the rest of the story, right? When fate is written, there's nothing you can do to change it. It is... What it is. You ever heard this statement? It is what it is. Hey, Grace, are you going to come join me? All right. Nope. nope. It is what it is. And, and here's the thing. How many of you have heard that statement? It is what it is. How many of you have said that statement? Never say it again. I hate that statement. It is what it is. You know who says it all the, all the time? Pro athletes. Do you know why? Because their vocabulary skills are not great enough to say something more intelligent. Well, it is what it is. You know, it is what it is. That's it is. And you know what that's saying? It's like the situation is as the situation is. There's nothing you can do about it. 
That's a horrible mentality. And it's one that Jesus didn't have. Now, they grew up in this time where there was this huge influence that said it is what it is and there's nothing you can do to change about it. This is tragedy, right? Oedipus is a tragedy. This classical sense of tragedy is that the fate is written for our hero and the hero is not going to come out well. In the Hebraic language, there is no word for tragedy. They don't have it. They have a word for mishap, for disaster, for calamity, but not tragedy. Because there wasn't this sense that the plan had been written and there was nothing you could do to change it. Jesus and the early disciples, the Jews, didn't believe that. They believed in something bigger. They believed that things were open. Now, there were prophecies, sure, if you remember, Isaiah comes to King Hezekiah and says, hey, you've been doing a lot of bad stuff, and because of it, you're going to die. That's the prophecy. The Lord has spoken. He starts leaving the room. Hezekiah falls on his knees and cries out to God, forgive me. He weeps bitterly and turns back to, to God and says, forgive me, I have sinned. Take me back. Before Isaiah leaves the room, God speaks to him and goes, hey, turn around. Hey, God said you're good now. You know, all right, we're good. Thank you for turning back to me. We're fine. There was a prophecy that said it is what it is, but that ain't how God rolls. God says, no, 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 no. It's open. It's open. What will be, will be. See, the Jews believed in their ability to make future. Not that future was already determined, but that they had the ability to make that future. They had the ability to change what was going to happen. They had the ability to not be who they were today, tomorrow. Because we should never be who we are today, tomorrow. We should always be changing For the next three Sundays, we're going to get more into this. But today is the foundation of this. And the foundation of this is that we are created in the image of God. In Genesis 1, verse 27, it says, He created them, male and female, in His image. He created all of us in the image of God. In the image of God. There's a great line from Ghostbusters. It's a great, great law that we have learned from Ghostbusters. If anyone ever asks you if you're a God, what do you do? Say yes. Right? If anyone ever asks you if you're a God, you say yes. If anyone ever asks you if you were created in the image of God, you say yes. If you were created just like God, you say yes. Not all, not all of you have the name Michael, which means one who is like God. My mother knew. Just kidding. But we were all created in the image of God. We're all created in this image. Now, okay, what does that mean? In Exodus chapter 3, the people of Israel have been living under this oppression for 400 years. They're slaves in Egypt to the most powerful kingdom of the time. Maybe one of the most powerful ever. They've been slaves for hundreds of years. Their identity is slave. That's all they know is being a slave. And then you know the story. Along comes Moses. And Moses is 
is born a Jew, but there's this whole murdering baby Jew things. And so he's sitting in this basket on the river and Pharaoh's daughter finds him, takes him into the palace. And he's raised as one of Pharaoh's sons, right? He grows up to be a strong man. He murders someone, freaks out as people who murder people do. And he runs and he goes into the wilderness and he meets Jethro and he gets married and he becomes a shepherd and he's living his life out there. All the while, his people, God's people, are crying out to God. It is what it is. No. Change this, God. Be here. Hear our cries. And so God meets Moses. You remember the story? Moses is up on Mount Horeb and he's walking along. and He sees over to the side this bush that is burning but not being consumed. And if you see something like that, naturally you're like, oh, let's take a closer look. So he walks over. And as God sees him turning off his path, turning towards him, he says, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. Would not have been my reaction, by the way. My reaction would have been soiling myself and falling down to the ground if God speaks to me out of a burning bush. Just so you know. But Moses says, here I am. Moses, stop. Take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to go back to Egypt and you're going to free my people. I have heard their cry. Moses is like, yeah, that's great, but I'm going to need more. Who are you? I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What is your name? Moses says. And what does God say his name is? I am what I am. It's almost a Popeye moment, right? I am what I am. I am what I am. In Hebrew, it is this, Ehye, Asher, Ehye. You know that's a bad translation, though? I am what I am. You know what the translation really should be? I will be who I will be. I will be who I will be. Hear the difference in that. I am what I am. It is what it is. I will be who I will be. Who I am has not yet been determined. I will be who I will be. See, this is the way that God works. God isn't the same today as he was yesterday. He's different. He will be who he will be. God will be who God needs to be when God needs to be. We see God changing throughout Scripture. Now, some of you are freaking out by saying that God is changing. God doesn't change in his all-power, all-knowing, omnipotent self. But because God is all-powerful and all-knowing, he will be who he will be. Who he is right now is not necessarily who he will be tomorrow if he needs to change. His condemnation upon an entire city, Sodom and Gomorrah, isn't necessarily the way it's going to play out if he decides to change his mind. He will be who he will be. See, God is a God of freedom. God is a God of possibilities. God says, when I create you, I don't want you to stay who you are right then. I want you to change and I want you to be who you will be. The potential that you have is ginormous. No one's, God didn't say on February 27, 1974, Michael Paul Crocker is brought into this world. This is who he's going to be. This is our, his plan. This is his act. Everything he's going to do, I have already ordained. God shakes up a little bottle, creates, goes, let's see what happens. This could be entertaining. 
I will be who I will be. If we are created in the image of God, that is who we are. We are people who will be who we will be. Who we are today should not be who we are tomorrow because we should be more like him. Who I was in college, praise the good Lord, I am no longer. I am way different. Who I was when I got married, I am no longer that guy. Who I was when Grace was born, oh boy, I am no longer that guy. Because I will be who I will be. Because I am free to make these choices and these decisions and to hear God's voice and to sometimes move in that direction and to sometimes not. I'm free to make these decisions that shape who I become. It is not because some God sits on a throne pulling a puppet string. It's because he created me with different gifts and different talents and different personalities. And he's placed before me different situations and just let's see what happens now. God isn't a God who says it is what it is. God says it will be what it will be. You will be who you will be. We are created in the image of God. We are created in this image of God. Creator. Redeemer. Sustainer. That's the image of God, right? If you want to break down God into these three things, you have Father, Son, and Spirit. Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. God is Creator. Undeniably so, right? Created the world, created each one of us. Redeemer, in the form of the Son, who took the cross, who gave His life so that we might have ours. Sustainer in the form of the Spirit, who remains with us to give us courage and strength to lead us in the direction that God desires us to go to give us counsel as jesus called him the counselor father son spirit creator redeemer sustainer if we are made in the image of god then we too are creators redeemers sustainers i don't know about you but that scares me that scares me to think that I could be a creator, redeemer, and sustainer. It scares me to think of the power that, that resides inside of me because I'm created in the image of God. Because quite honestly, I, I know me, and I don't always operate nicely. I don't always operate in the way in which God desires me to. But it isn't, it is what it is, It's I will be who I will be. And I have the opportunity every day to become more who God desires me to be as creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Over the next three weeks, that is what we'll be looking at. What does it look like for us as sons and daughters to be creators? What does it look like for us to be sustainers, to be redeemers? What does it look like for us to truly operate in this image of God? If we are indeed sons and daughters of the Most High God, and we are, there's not a single person that I can see here that wasn't created in the image of God. Then what does that mean 
for tomorrow. What does that mean about who we will be? Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, you are the creator, the redeemer, the sustainer of all things. We thank you that what we will be has not yet been determined. But we know that we will one day be like you when we see you face to face. And that is what you long for us to be, to move ever more into your presence, to be more and more aware of what it means to be a daughter, a son of the Most High God, to understand more and more what it means to be the person you're calling us to be so that tomorrow we won't be as we are today for we shall be more like you. On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he blessed God and he broke it He said, take this, eat all of you. This is my body, which is given for you. After supper was over, he took the cup and he raised it to heaven and he blessed God. And he said, take this drink. This is the blood of the new covenant. My blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. And so we come in remembrance of these mighty acts of salvation. This act of mercy, sacrifice and love. Acknowledging that by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is indeed the body and blood of Christ for us. And that as we consume this, we join in that mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. If you are helping with communion, if you would come forward at this moment, and if the rest of you would continue with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gift that we are about to receive. We pray that as we consume this, we would hear your voice calling us to be more and more the sons and daughters you long for us to be. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As you come forward this morning, know a few things. This is not a Methodist table, it's God's table. And because of that, all who care to come and receive this gift are welcome. We do communion here by what's known as intinction, which means you'll be given a piece of the bread to which you will then dip into the cup. Uh, There is prayer. Uh, Our prayer team is underneath the Jesus cross over there, should you desire prayer after receiving communion. And then, um, as always, in our new configuration, we will serve the center sections first. 
And then the servers will move out to the wing so that you don't have to travel to the center aisle and they will serve you after they come through. The table is prepared. Come.
sing this morning. May the Lord bless and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. May he lift up his countenance unto you and give you grace. May you walk forward in a new year surrounded by his love and freedom and grace. In Jesus' name, amen.